Hello and a very warm welcome. Coming to you live from the heart of Nairobi. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. And the program is the New Life Program with me, Nixon Ratemo. Do stay tuned for a great show. Thank you so much for listening. Today on the Family Life segment is Sister Lydia Achieng. She will join us to tell us more on protecting marriage from infidelity. Thereafter, Ian Muse will be coming on on the Bible segment. But before we do that, let's first get the song Ukimwi by Hosanna Melody Singers. Sit tight and enjoy. <laughs> Wapenda au anasa kweli jihadari Janga kubwa duniani nimesha chipuka Tuji alari sote tusipangamine Lakisha watu wote wakubwa wadogo Wapenda au anasa kweli jihadari Ukimwe ni hatari kwa maisha yako Uwami ni mokozi kinga ya peke Listener, that was Ukimwi by Hosanna Melody Singers. You are listening to the New Life program coming to you live from the heart of Nairobi. And this is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. And now, on the Family Life segment, Sister Lydia Acheng joins us with more on protecting marriage from infidelity. Stay tuned and be blessed. Listener, welcome to today's Family Life program. I'm your presenter, Lydia Aching. Today's topic is protecting marriage from infidelity. Very few people who marry think their marriage will end up with infidelity involved someday. But tragically, 
That's what happens in more marriages than even the experts can count, because many are never publicly acknowledged. If even one marriage involves unfaithfulness to a spouse, then that's one too many. And sadly, from the emails we receive, it's apparent that Christians are just as susceptible to infidelity as non-believers. That's one reason why we are addressing this issue. Please don't think it could never happen in your marriage, because we can't even begin to tell you how many times we've heard the statement, we never thought it would happen to us, we never meant for it to happen, and other such statements. But it did happen. We feel it's better to be cautious and put up protective barriers ahead of time, no matter how safe you feel now, than to be tragically sorry later. For those of you who are presently suffering from the horrors of infidelity, you have our deepest sympathy. We pray the Lord will minister to your heart and will help you to work through the issues you're dealing with in the healthiest manner possible. We have many articles dedicated to the issue of infidelity on our website. For this marriage message, we'd like to focus on a portion of the four ways to affair-proof your marriage which came from the Smalley Relationship Center, here's what they say. 1. Make a commitment towards growth. First, it's extremely important to make a commitment to keep growing in your relationship with your mate. The lower the relational happiness, there is greater the temptation to medicate through some kind of addictive behavior, for example, sex, alcohol, work, etc. In order to find out what your relationship needs, Ask your mate, what is something that I could do that you would cause, that would cause our relationship to grow? I encourage you to begin making a list of the specific things and pick one of them to do on a weekly basis. Two, be aware of your choices. A damaging force working against marital fidelity is rationalization. Today's test for honesty seems to be, it's okay as long as you don't get caught, or it's not that bad. Everyone's doing it. A major battle is won when we stop asking what's wrong with certain choices and instead ask what's right with them. Every day I read a small poem above my computer. This poem has become the key for affair-proofing my own marriage. It reads, The choices we make every day dictate the life we lead. To thine own self be true. Basically, this same message that Luke talks about in the scripture Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. That's in Luke chapter 16 verse 10. In other words, how we handle the small things dictates how we react to the bigger ones. I now start each day out by thinking about the choices I'll make and how they can dictate my life. For example, if I spend too much time talking to a female co-worker, I need to be aware of how this can weaken my defenses or make me susceptible for an affair, emotional as well as physical. Becoming aware of our choices leads us right into the third way to affair-proofing our marriages. Draw a line and then stay a safe distance behind it. While doing a seminar in Hawaii, my family and I were caught in a major storm. At one point, 30-foot waves were crashing against the hotel. It felt like we were being shelled by artillery. Wanting to get close to the monstrous waves, my father and I snuck past a sign that read, Dangerous beyond this point. Standing near the water's edge, a gigantic wave suddenly broke and knocked us down. 
As we laughed and high-fived each other, we were confronted by hotel security. They quickly explained that it wasn't the waves that were the only danger. Instead, the real problem was the rocks that were jarred loose each time the waves struck the shoreline. We had difficulty believing this until we saw some of the pebbles that were embedded into the side of the hotel. The reason that the hotel placed the danger signs away from the water's edge was to create a buffer zone. In other words, they wanted to leave room for error. This way, if someone made a mistake and crossed the line, hopefully they wouldn't be killed. If you want to affair-proof your marriage, it's important to draw a line and then stay a safe distance behind it. For each person, the safety line will be different. Some people will not be able to take business trips or work late with a co-worker of the opposite sex. Others may not be able to meet a certain person for lunch or to work out at the gym. Whatever the situation, determine where you need to draw the line. Since everyone makes mistakes, having room before you fall over the edge can be the difference between a compromising situation and losing your marriage. 4. Become accountable to someone. The final piece for maintaining marital fidelity is through accountability. Accountability is simply being responsible to another person or persons for the commitments you've made. If you desire to affair-proof your marriage, I encourage you to ask a good friend, pastor, Bible study group, or co-worker for accountability. The important ingredient is having someone to ask the difficult questions. For example, did you compromise your standards last week? Or have you been getting your emotional needs met from someone other than your mate? Ideally, these questions force us to carefully and prayerfully consider our choices because we know that someone will be checking. If your desire is to build a protective hedge around your marriage, or if you are recovering from the damaging effects of an affair by making the above four things a part of your life, you can melt the ice-covered sidewalks of your relationship where trust and security are sure to follow. We hope the statements from the ministry of Dr. Gary Smiley will be helpful and that by applying these principles, you will protect and save you and your family from the downfall and destruction of infidelity. That is our prayer for you and for us. None of us should be so sure of ourselves that we let our defenses down. When we do, we invite the enemy of our faith to have a clear shot at us. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. This material is provided courtesy of Marriage Missions International. Until next time, God bless you. For those of you who are just joining us, this is the New Life Program with me, Nixon Ratemo, coming to you live from the heart of Nairobi. And this is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. If you wish to drop in your views, comments, or ask questions about the show, you can do so through the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00- 100 Nairobi, Kenya or email us at awrnairobi at eku.adventist.org Now, here is a song 
Marching by Hosanna Melody Singer. We are marching, marching to Zion. We are marching, going home. We are marching, marching to Zion. We are going home. We are going home. We are marching, marching to Zion. Staying tuned. Right about now, Ian Muse joins us for the Bible segment. We'll be talking about the power to overcome. Be blessed. Greetings, dear listener, and welcome to our study today. I want to believe that Christ has been your guide and his grace has been sufficient unto you. Our topic today is the power to overcome. I am your presenter, Ian Muse. 
Are you sometimes tempted not to pray or read your Bible in the morning? Probably every Christian has faced that temptation at least once. Is it possible to take the strength out of that particular temptation? Yes, it is. Thousands of people have established such a pattern of daily devotion that they don't even consider not taking the time to do it. The temptation no longer really exists for them. They have followed the counsel of Paul. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans chapter 12, verse 21. Many temptations will cease to trouble us as we make good choice a habit. Just as our brain is programmed to do wrong by constant yielding to compromise and defeat, so it may be programmed for victory through strong decision and right choices. Most of the terrible struggle will disappear from the experience as our nature adjusts to a program of habitual victory. Repetition of our practice finally turns into an automatic response, and the temptation to stay away from church no longer exists. So it can be with many other forms of temptation as we as so it can be with many other forms of temptation as we use our wills to establish victorious patterns of thought and action. Thus far we have uncovered some of the psychological tricks that Satan uses for trapping people into sin. We have also concluded that sin originates in the mind, which means that some very special attention must be given to protecting that vulnerable target of the enemy's attack. We have suggested placing specific guards before the avenues of the mind to shut out suspicious thoughts and desires. We have strongly recommended using the will to say no to the urges of the flesh. All of this counsel is good, but it is also useless if one truth is recognized. Now we move into the very heart of the temptation, sin, problem. All the processes of choice, free will, and decision are centered in the mysterious gray matter of the brain. Here is where Satan made his first attack on Eve. In order to make her sin, Satan had to influence her to open her mind to someone besides God. And the only way to reach her mind was through the emotional avenue of the senses. Thus, the Bible says that she saw the, that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. Genesis chapter 3 verse 6 Please note that the serpent was only able to corrupt her mind through the things she looked at and listened to. It was the appealing beauty of the fruit plus the hypnotizing sound of the flattering voice which finally led to Eve's downfall. It is only by utilizing the parts which are under our conscious control that Satan is able to defile the mind. In other words, we must give our consent before an act of sin can be committed. No one compelled Eve to leave her husband, walk to the tree, listen to the serpent, or eat the fruit. Every step was a volitional act in response to some sensory appeal. God had placed within Eve a holy will and a perfect sinless mind. Through these sanctified powers, a total separation from sin was always possible for her, yet she chose to disobey God. Our case is not quite so clear-cut and simple. We do not possess by nature the kind of pure and unpolluted mind that Eve had. We have all inherited the weak and compromised bodies and minds which disobedience produced in Adam and Eve. By yielding to Satan and choosing to obey him instead of God, Eve instantly lost her power to resist temptation. Her will became weakened, and the law of sin began to operate in her body to produce death. By that one deliberate act, she forever doomed herself and her offspring to a life of unremitting struggle and defeat. 
Had God not immediately introduced the plan of salvation in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, all the human race would have followed Eve's course of willful sin and would have died without hope. The promised seed of the woman offered hope for degenerate men to reserve the effect of Adam's and Eve's sin. To Christ, the death sentence could be lifted and the mind of enmity could be replaced by the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 Consider for a moment how Jesus made the way of escape from temptation for everyone who will accept it. He came as the world's second Adam and faced the enmity exactly like the first Adam had to meet him. And yet, of course, it was not exactly as Adam and Eve were tasted. Jesus did not meet the tempter in a lovely garden surrounded by beauty. He struggled with Satan in a wild, desolate wilderness. The first Adam had access to every possible variety of luscious food, but Jesus was emaciated and weak from 40 days without food or drink. The first Adam faced the tempter in the strength of a perfect body, untainted by a single hereditary flow. Jesus took humanity upon himself after 4,000 years of sin had weakened the human race. He accepted all the hereditary disadvantages and liabilities which sin had imposed upon the physical descendants of the first Adam. No one will ever fully understand the nature of that wilderness contest. Satan had anticipated this confrontation for years and perhaps for centuries. In those three subtle temptations, he had combined all the psychological expertise that his mastermind could provide. In effect, Satan appealed to the same basic human emotions which had destroyed the first Adam, appetite, presumption, and position. But thank God, the deceiver could not find one thing in Christ to respond to his enticements. The second Adam utterly disarmed and defeated the devil in the very areas which had been so effective against the first Adam. We need to stretch our minds in an effort to comprehend this truth. Why was the great creator, God of the universe, willing to submit to the indignities of that agonizing experience? Had he not already proven his power over the evil one by casting him out of heaven? Why should he voluntarily place himself at such terrible disadvantage in the midst of another conflict with Satan? The answer is simple. The devil had stolen away the masterpiece of God's creation. Mankind, whom God loved, had been kidnapped by the enemy, albeit willingly, and was held in captivity. Two things happened that day when Adam was conquered by Satan. First, he and his descendants immediately fell under the irrevocable sentence of death which God had pronounced upon transgressors of his law. Second, his entire moral nature became so traumatized and degraded by sin that it will never be possible for Adam or his posterity to refrain from sinning again and again. Do you see the problem? What could God do to release the creatures he loved from the devastating consequence of their sin? They were doomed to die, and they had forfeited the power to obey. Satan exulted. He reasoned that God himself could not get man back without changing his law or compromising his justice. At last, Satan had found a way to prove the charges he had pressed against God. In the presence of the holy angels, he had accused God of being unfair and requiring an impossible obedience. Dear listener, God has given us the assurance that we can overcome temptation, not by might or by power, but by his Spirit. May you seek the Holy Spirit and make him your guide in the everyday journey. Till we meet again, stay blessed. Amen. Thank you for your time, dear listener. I was your presenter, Ian Musi.
Thank you so much for staying tuned throughout the show. It has always been a pleasure to have you on board. Don't forget to send us your views, suggestions or questions about the show through the producer, Adventist World Radio, PO Box 42276, code 00100, Nairobi, Kenya. You can also email us on awrnairobi at eku.adventist.org. Remember, this is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Until we meet again later, I have been your host, Nixon Ratemo.
Oh, 